I just have one question. When Cap needed help, if I'd asked you, would you have come? I guess we'll never know. But if you had, you'd have never been caught. I do some dumb things, and the people I love the most, they pay the price. Thanks to you, we had to run. We're all getting bigger and bigger. We're filling up the room. There's no space. Click. <laughs> all right, we're back. Jack, all I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman. A giant woman. All right. Giant woman. Does right. anyone have any other giant related intros they want to do? No, that was it. Welcome to the Wages of Cinema. Corey doesn't need to because she's already tiny. <laughs> yes, uh, I am Jack, and of course, with me is co-host Corey. Hello. And, and original better co-host Andrew. He, the yes, yes, untrue. Yes. Oh, the, guest star Matt's here too. Yes. Howdy. Howdy, Matt. And uh, so we're here to talk about another Marvel movie because it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're here for all these things. Um, I was just talking to Matt about this on the ride here, and I said, who would have known, who would have thought ten years ago we would get not one, but two Ant-Man films, and they would star Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's, that, that's an interesting point. I didn't really think about that. Um, although ironically, ten years ago, Ant-Man was first in development with, uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah. So, it oh, kind of goes wow, back to... time that. flies. Yeah, Edgar Wright's not involved in this one, but it was still, uh, I like this movie. I liked it really, too. I, with this kind of movie, I don't know where to start because it's almost like, well, we liked it. Good night. Da, da, da. I appreciated the tone of this movie. I appreciated that it was light and it was funny. It was jokey, which I appreciated. And I also thought the recurring jokes were good. There are several recurring bits of humor through this movie, and it's really easy to make um, a recurring joke um, bad, but I really liked all the recurring jokes in this movie about like the truth serum, yeah. the undercarriage, the magic. What I would say, though, it, it, I, this is going to sound like I'm putting it down. This feels like one of the Marvel movies that is... A, is kind of a little bit more geared towards kids. And I say that, though, in a good way. Like, I think that eight or nine-year-old or ten-year-old Jack would have watched this movie, like, 20 times. Because there's something very just amiable about it, and maybe it's because of, Paul, like, Paul Red's daughter in the movie. Like, that's kind of how the movie starts off, is, you know, we see them playing together in his, in his apartment. It, misses... it starts off like Dave made a maze. Once Dave made a maze. The movie I tried to show you last week that you guys weren't interested in. Okay, yeah. well, oh, is that, and does that, like, have a guy who has a daughter and... No, but there's a maze made of cardboard. Ooh, did it have, like, a cardboard ant? No, it has a cardboard minotaur. All right, that is cooler. So, uh, before we go on, let's give a little, uh, let's give a little update on what uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is. That's what we're reviewing, by the way. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it. Yeah, uh, we didn't um, mention the title. No, until I think just we did. Now. I think I said Ant Man and the Wasp. Or... So, Ant Man and the Wasp. Scott Lang. He's gotten out. He's he's like under house arrest because in Civil War he helped Captain America, and he can't leave the perimeter otherwise he'll go back to jail. Insert Sokovia reasons here. Right, which they which they did actually insert in a very clever way. Um, um I guess they kind of did. Yeah, and it makes you kind of think realize. Oh, so Scott's kind of been doing nothing for two years. Yeah. And he got screwed over by Captain some, America. Some people would call that lazy writing. I would call it just uh, killing time until your next movie comes up. Yeah, although <laughs> you, if you think about it, that also that, that, that also makes, gives, makes it more sense how they don't have to do the work of, oh, he still is on bad things with Judy Greer and Bobby Cannavale. Um, they're, they're fine now because they've done, like, the family work. We could just go, like, all right, they're, they're all yeah, fine. I love how, like, loving they all are together. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a total tonal shift from the first movie where, like, they're a bit acrimonious. Yeah, now they've, they've worked everything out and, like, I'm imagining them having threesomes now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 
there's a point in the movie where Bobby Cannavale almost like it's like a three way hug. He hugs him like three times in this film. Yeah, Bobby Cannavale just like you know, it's like, but it's like they have no like Scott Lang's family. It's his ex wife, his daughter, and then her his ex wife's current husband. Like they have almost nothing to do. The daughter has has the most work to do out of all those people. Meanwhile, the other parents are just kind of there. So let's just give them funny jokes to yeah. do on screen so that we don't have to give give them anything to do besides that. Yeah, I mean, again, it, his daughter kind of has one important scene, but that's what I mean about like it feeling a little bit like a kid's movie where like you kind of identify from the kid's point of view in that bit. And, you know, the FBI agent uh, played by... Um, Randall Park. Randall Park, thank you. Um, agent Wu. Agent Wu. Jimmy Wu. Yeah, and Randall Park's great, by the yeah, way. He was very good um, in this movie. He, well, he's always good. Uh, he, uh, he seems like a kind of slightly cartoonish FBI agent, but I kind of love that. Like, there's a point where he ha- has explains not, to he explains to Scott Lang's daughter, like, what, it, why the situation with his father being under house arrest, and that got like a big laugh from me. Yeah, it was, it was pretty clever. All right, but back to the plot. But, uh, so while Scott's been in under house arrest, Hank Pym and his daughter, Hope, Good. is, uh, they're trying to find a way to get Hope's mother, Janet Van Dyne, back from the quantum realm. Yes. Because she apparently is lost there, and has been for 30 years. Yeah, it's important that you have seen the first Ant-Man before you see this. Um, I don't even think you need to. Because yeah, flashback like, no. at the beginning. Yeah, they cover uh, everything with a flashback. Did I miss a, somewhat, a little bit of that? You missed a little bit of that. A, a sort of work, early. a very workmanlike flashback. Uh, with oh, so they show. Oh, so they show Paul Rudd going into the quantum realm. They did. No. No. They that, show how um, Janet Van Dyne gets lost in the quantum. I mean, realm. I guess eventually they obviously they do explain about that. Like you were in the quantum realm, you know what it's like. Now we know we can go in there and get, you know, my mom out. Or, right. Yeah. So that's basically the, the, the main core of the movie. It's where the emotion is. and But from there you have, you know, a couple of different forces that want to try to get this... Uh, is it like an arc tunnel? It's a, a quantum tunnel. Quantum tunnel, Just yeah. putting quantum in front of things. Yeah, it's, it's... This is like one of those sci-fi movies where they toss... Well, they toss they, a lot of sci-fi mumbo-jumbo. They make that joke, though, in the film. Paul Rudd says, what, you just put quantum in front of everything? <laughs> so, yeah, that's it for the plot. It's pretty simple. Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's basically... actually a way... But in terms of plot... But in terms of plot structure, it's way better than the first Ant-Man. Yes. Yeah, I, I, Ant-Man I, had this trouble of being dubbed Tiny Iron Man mm-hmm. because it shared that sort of same Marvel formula... As Doctor Strange and Iron Man, it's like, oh, we made this weapon. Someone wants to get their hands on it. We gotta stop them from doing it. And they, they, and they, um, kind, and they almost do the same thing, but they've given a lot more dimension. Well, I think tonally the movies are fairly consistent, though. Like both, both the Ant Man movies are just they're they're inherently likable. It's it's hard for me to put them down in a very like. Oh, this movie's destroying cinema, you know, like no, but like in a way that somebody might say about like a Batman v Superman or Justice League, like this is all just dirigible dirge, you know. These Wait, movies did you are say dirigible. I don't know. Dirigible is not an adjective. It's a blimp. I was just well, they are kind of blimps. Um, <laughs> this film is too dirigible. <laughs> Yes, what? I'm here for dirigible crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but my point is, like, this movie is kind of like a puppy coming up and like licking your face. It it it's a nice light breath of fresh air. It's really um, charming, and it's got char- and all the characters do something. Yeah, I'm always glad when a movie just uses all of its characters to the fullest of their ability. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, even, like, uh, the villains in this, uh, I mean, you have another situation, like, you've had a couple other Marvel movies where you have kind of, like, your secondary villain and then more of your main villain. Kind of like in Black Panther, you had uh, Andy Serkis and then Michael B. Jordan. Here you Except have... Except now you don't have to worry about any big names dying. Yes. Well, Walton Goggins is kind of a name. Yeah. 
And the, those... the infamous Walton Goggins. <laughs> yes. Well, Walton Goggins is. Like, I, I've uh, seen his yeah. star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I, I would say Goggins. that. I mean, I would say that he doesn't do anything particularly different than what he's done in other movies. But he doesn't need to. He comes in. He's, he's Walton Goggins. Actor. Yeah, he, you know him from the Hateful Eight and Justified. Not putting him down. I'm just yeah, saying. But him and Hannah John Kamen were both in the new Tomb Raider that came out this year. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so yeah, Hannah John Kamen plays a character named Ghosts. Oh, and she's also in Ready Player One. Uh, and I Kill mean, Joyce. And what? Kill what Joyce. That? That's a TV show on Sci-Fi Channel. Told yeah. you that. Heard of TV this. doesn't matter. Well, and so she's kind of the main villain now. Here's what's interesting with her in this movie, and I guess we'll get into more of her motivations maybe in the spoiler part, if, if it is a spoiler. Um, I actually, her writing wasn't that bad for me in this movie. I, I really, I thought her motivations were explained really well. I don't know if as an actress she, it, how do I phrase this? I mean, you're, you have a cast that has these people like Michael Douglas and Lawrence Fishburne, even Paul Rand and Evangeline Lilly are terrific in this. And she's not bad, but she seems more like a CW-type actress. They don't give her as much to work with as the rest of them. She's Part of that is simply the character. Mostly, all she has to be is a person in a suit. Yeah, and also... Which is not terrible. She does cool things with it, and they've got great action scenes with her in it. Uh, she's, she's basically... The problem is that like she's just like... A, sort of like a creature who's like, I want one thing, I want one thing. Like, she's obsessed by that one thing, so you yeah, there's really nothing else. Although, you, when you look at her motivation, you really, I, I find it to be very logical. Yes. She's in a very desperate situation. It's a very believable. And a very, and a literally painful situation. She's, she's in so much pain that she can't help but think about one thing. Yeah. yeah. And I like... The thing that's been troubling her all her life, and the only solution she's seen to that problem. I always appreciate a movie where the villain is not trying to take over the world or reshape the entire world. Because so, it's unre kind of unrealistic yeah, so and over-ambitious. Yeah. You kind of have to stretch plausibility to make that Yeah, work. I definitely consider myself like a big MCU fan in general, but it's a little wearying where every single movie is, oh my god, the fate of the entire planet is at stake. Well, that works in an Avengers movie. It doesn't so much work with something smaller. Yeah, so oh, I so really appreciate that yes, a villain... <laughs> yeah, I had to, size puns I, I, I have to adjust my non-existent tie as I make that joke. Oh, you'll be glad to know. Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. will be a big hit. <laughs> oh! The Ant-Man movie has puns. Yes. Oh my god, it has puns. And so if you are someone who doesn't like puns, obviously you're going to roll your eyes. I kind of did, but I was kind of just still smiling at a couple. Who I don't doesn't even... like puns? I love cheese There puns. are some people who don't have puns. I, have, I, I understand. And, and god damn you if you don't like I mean, I, I, I understand like people get tired of puns, but it's like, I've never heard, seen a person who was like, I hate puns so much. Really? I've known several people who flat out have said to me, I hate puns. That's... And you stayed friends with them? Well, not right? <laughs> but, uh, but But going back to yeah, what you were saying, Corey. I like how every character's goals in this movie are pretty grounded. Like, the villain is primarily concerned with self-preservation. The heroes are primarily concerned with very personal goals. Yeah. Revolving their families, yeah. their immediate surroundings. So, yeah, it's 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 and Scott's biggest goal is 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 making it seem like he's still in his house so he doesn't get busted on parole. Yeah, that's kind of funny how that's really his goal. I mean, obviously he wants to help out Hank and uh, and Hope, but he, he has, yeah he he has to balance those things and, and and try not to go back to jail. Yeah, I think that part of why I like this movie might also just be the context of other movies I've seen lately. In relation to this, and obviously one of them is Infinity War, which was on such a massive scale, and yet with all of its ambition, it didn't quite hit the mark for me. Yeah. Like it, it's kind of—I mean, it, it was still enjoyable, but it was just—it it was trying to be like the biggest thing that you will ever see this decade, and it was just and it, like, well, it was the biggest thing we've seen this decade. It's just about the impact it had on. Yeah, a little I, bit I, of that. Well, that's, that's the thing. Well, and I'll get to how that ties into 
the very end of this movie a, a ways away. But this movie, and then it's also like, I, you know, I just saw Jurassic World 2 and Sicario 2. And it's like, those were so dumb and dour. And this is not that. Yeah, well, I, th I didn't see those two movies, but I did see Infinity War, and Infinity War felt kind of like it was five movies, tr like, compressed into, like, the space of one, and it didn't quite, like, work as well as it would have if it had more breathing room, whereas this is just, like, its own movie that's basically self-contained and can actually, like, take its time and tell its story and include, like, good comedy bits and good action bits, and, like, it works. And, and those grounded goals that Corey was talking yeah. about really helped. Yeah, uh, they work to that to the film's advantage. Yeah. Now I would say that there are still, again, like it's a, in the, a way, it's kind of like you know if you saw Deadpool two, I mean that's a film that has very grounded goals. It's not so much about saving the world; it's about saving a certain number, or a certain person, or a certain uh, or certain other people. Uh, you could say I, I don't know Deadpool you could... two as well when I was watching this. I think Deadpool two is funnier than Ant Man. What's Ant Man and the Wasp? Yeah. So I think Deadpool 2 is funnier, and of course the humor is a lot raunchier in Deadpool 2. Oh, well, sure. But I did think of that when I was watching this, and I was like, I appreciate that the movie trusts that we can watch a film and enjoy it without hand-waving about the end of the universe. Yeah, well right. that's what I mean, though. Maybe saying it's great for kids is a little too, um, just, it's a little, it's a little too exclusionary. It's reductive. It, Ah, going with the puns here still. Well, uh, done. well done, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> the Andrew Bertrand slow clap. Um, this is our most self-indulgent podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but, um, God, I forgot what I was about to say. Uh, the thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, the difference. Yeah, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a good family film. That's what I meant to say. It, and it does that better than the first Ant-Man did. Yeah, I, mean, I like this a little bit more than Ant-Man, even though, ultimately, it's, this, it's still, this still has some of the... This still, this still has some of the kind of typical drawbacks in a Marvel movie, but it wasn't to the point where I was so distracted by them that it was a problem. Like, you know, you have, like, for example, a, a villain monologue at one point in a flashback, and that's probably the weakest part of the movie, but then you get to that giant third act... Which is just a long car Giant chase. Giant third act. Uh, that really wasn't intentional. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm swear. Don't don't come at me, man. Do you want to introduce your poll question now? No, 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 no. that will be later. Well, I'm spoilers. sorry, don't worry about the same. Uh, the thing that the thing that that sets this apart from Ant Man, like there are two big differences. Like, okay. The first is it, it kind of gets rid of the the, the bland plot. You know Scott Lang, the thief who's trying to who's trying to do well, uh, to you know kind of to do good again and kind of redeem himself. Yes. Uh, but it also gets rid of, of some of the darker parts of Ant Man. Hmm. There are some there are some kind of dark things in Ant Man. Like if if you remember, there's an er murder early on in Ant Man, which kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> If you remember it, do you know what I'm talking about? The imploding sheep and then the guy in the bathroom. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it's, and again, you have, uh, and there are certain other elements later that, that you know, get that get kind of dark as well. That None of that is present in this Ant-Man. No, it's not, it's not, it's not terribly dark, I should say. I think, it's in not fact, dark at all. No, in fact, that's probably why I said, like, midway through the movie when the, when Ghost kind of explains her story... That's, that's the moment where it maybe gets a little bit That's the darkish. darkest thing about it, but it's typical mad scientific science experiment yeah, that goes that's, wrong. Yeah, that's where my eyes kind of glazed over, because it's like, that's not doing anything that different. But again, it's not a long scene, and it actually... There's a joke that happens right after she makes that explanation, and I kind of forgave the scene, because I was like, ah, okay, that, that was kind of... that was cute. Also, if your father brings you to the site of his mad science experiment and it blows up and causes irreparable harm to you, it's his fault, not the fault of the man who fired him years before. Yeah. I don't think that's a spoiler that's, that's, so much. That's, that's a general complaint <laughs> about writing in general. Don't supervillain shame Andrew. <laughs> 
<laughs> Has, hashtag supervillains have feelings. Anyway. I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I want to just, uh, gen- like, how how'd you like the action in the movie? Uh, it's clever how well they use the enlarging and shrinking aspects of, yeah. of their characters. You know, you would think that that would get a little old, but it, it doesn't. They, they find, they keep finding clever ways to make things big and then make things small and occasionally, hilariously, kind of not quite small enough to be too tiny, but smaller than an average person. Yes. Yes, there is an awesome scene where Paul Rudd is in a school trying to get to his daughter and he shrinks to be about the size of a particularly small child. Yeah. And it's awesome. He's a small I would say, as a man who has worked in several schools, that scene was accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'd say that the action was mostly fine. It was, you know, again, mostly typical action until that third act. It it ramps up in the third act, and it gets pretty pretty awesome. The third act of this movie, and I don't know if this is exactly a spoiler to say this, but I'll just try to... Be as careful with my references as possible. Ant-Man dies, the end. Uh, <laughs> damn it! Um, it's like Inception with jokes. <laughs> and then you all... It's also... They sprinkle in a little bit of the of this one sequence from this movie, The Deadpool... Not to be confused with Deadpool. It's it's a Clint Eastwood Dirty oh, Harry movie. Oh, yeah, the Deadpool. Yeah, the Deadpool. It's from 30 years ago. It was the final Dirty Harry movie. There's an action sequence in that where there's a car chase where Clint Eastwood is being chased, or, or either he's being chased or is chasing a tiny car <laughs> that has a bomb. Is it also on Lombard Street? It's also in San Francisco. On Lombard Street? I don't remember. It's been a Any while movie since that I've takes seen place it. in San Francisco has to it, have it, at least a shot of Lombard. Street. It has to have a shot of going up and down the hills. So maybe. Okay. I, I don't That's know what why I kept thinking of Vertigo. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, I don't remember. I don't, I've I would, never been to San Francisco. I Bullet. Well, well I, Bullet obviously I is there too. I haven't seen been to San Francisco either, but I've seen Vertigo. Yeah, well, no, I wasn't really thinking of Vertigo exactly. I was thinking of the Deadpool. I've been to San Francisco. That's oh. not relevant. Moving on. <laughs> but I'm just saying, though, I really, I kind of appreciate how it, you were, you know, the movie, not unlike Inception, was it, but maybe in a more, I don't know, better, but different and clever way, get has, like, this balance of intense car chase, where, again, they're using... The, the levels idea, of the action. Levels of the action, and the, the idea of... It, in a way, it felt... And I, this is going to also sound patronizing. It felt like a really fun video game that I was watching. Like, I would love to be in, like, doing this video game where I'm driving in the streets and I can go small and then go back to being big. Or you could play as a character and you can go really tiny and then go really big. It, it, it sets it apart from... A lot of other car chases. Um, I wondered during the car chases when the car was small, how can it keep going at the same speed as a regular sized car? Yeah. I mean, not to nitpick here, but. but you might physics. say it's a tiny yes. price. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say that, but I won't. Andrew, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Oh! <laughs> We, we, we can't help it. The movie kind of infected us with its puns. Yes. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah, so it's... That sequence, I think, was the standout for me in the movie. Because it, it, it kind of built upon itself. It, it kept the humor going at a really fantastic rate. Characters are also discovering things in that sequence. And I'm not necessarily... It's not fully a spoiler, because you see bits of it in the trailer. Um... Actually, I would say the movie... I don't know if I was expecting that much from seeing the trailer. It Actually, the trailer made the movie look a little more generic than it turned out to be. Yeah, I wasn't particularly enthusiastic to see this movie, and it exceeded my expectations. I was, I was quite excited. I mean, I really thought... That they, they really delivered on the thing that I... That 
that they promise in the trailer, which is more size gags. Yeah, more <laughs> more size gags. It's not... I, more... in, at the end of Ant-Man, there's a scene where they're fighting on a toy train track, and there's that zoom-out scene where it's like the train crashes, and it's just like... Doop, doop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was like the best size-related thing they did, although maybe the part in the lab is also really yes. good, too. But it was... But they did so much more with it mm-hmm. in this one. Because now it's like Ant-Man is not just... He can't just get small. He can mm-hmm. get huge now. You know, they can make things huge. It's... Uh, that's... They... The, the, the world of the film changed, and the action of the film changed with it. And yeah. I was really excited to see Evangeline Lily finally be the law, the wasp. After the law. She's <laughs> yeah, the law. She's, she's Judge Dredd. <laughs> so, yeah. Her name is Judge. God. All right, that's another Sorry. reference altogether. No. All right, but no, uh, yeah, having the wasp. Yeah, the, the seeing the wasp in action is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and the wasp is. A, it's funny because you go back to the original Ant Man comics and. There's literally no way, like, you could have that Ant-Man and the Wasp in this in this movie universe. Oh, why not? Because it was Avengers like, members. Because we like, don't like wife-beating in our comic book movies. Which happens much later in the run and is also a different, whole another topic that's oh, okay. So, so the Stan yeah. Lee version wasn't that bad. No, they were, like, perfectly generic. Yeah, yeah. I remember at the time being disappointed that we weren't going to have an asshole, alcoholic, wife-beating Ant-Man who also gets tiny-tiny and, like, crawls into his wife's vagina. (laughs) You and me both, Corey. (laughs) Corey, get your mind out of the gutter. This is why we have talked to her. The (laughs) Matt, let me me ask you this. This will probably get out of the podcast. Is what Corey said anything that happens in the comics. She's combining a, a few different things together into one thing. So all of those things have happened. They're all kind of true, but not at the same time. I'm I, mainly asking about the vagina. I, yes, you're, you're, taking, panel. You're, you're, you're taking, like, one panel from, like, a cracked article. No, yeah, but it's an actual comic that happened that was fun. Actually, Hank and Jan were on good terms then. That was one they were yeah, very Yeah, and he got teeny tiny, and because he was so small, he was really able to pleasure her <laughs> in a way he got, that it almost so what you're saying is that size doesn't matter? Corey, he <laughs> no, got... small size he, Corey, he got really tiny so he could be meaty, beady, big, and bouncy. <laughs> no, who references? All right. So um, basically but, what I was saying is when I first heard about the Ant-Man movies, I was disappointed that... I have never read an Ant-Man comic in my life. All I, I've read really. is... Mm. As Jack mentioned, a Crack.com article collecting, like, the wackiest stuff uh, from the Ant-Man comics. So I was disappointed that I would never see the really, like, you, dark, wild, raunchy you, stuff. You, you, you were disappointed you wouldn't get a dark, raunchy Ant-Man with Disney? Yes. Yes. Because, <laughs> but I'm trying to say We're, we're talking that about realistic expectations. Okay. Even though... I was disappointed years ago when I found out that I would never see Ant-Man beat his wife or, you know, crawl inside his wife's vagina. I am pretty happy with what they did come up with instead. Yes. Especially in the second movie, which I agree with Andrew, I think is definitely significantly better than the first one. Yeah, it is better than the first one. I wouldn't say it's like one of my, you know, top favorite Marvel movies now. But it is very, but it is just an enjoyable popcorn movie that has, and I know it sounds like another derogatory term, like kids movie, but I mean that in like a really good way. You go to this movie, and it's entertaining you scene after scene after scene. You're getting like laughs where you really don't expect them, and even if a moment doesn't quite hit as well comedy wise you know you're going to get something good in another couple minutes. When you hit it, Big Jack, can you make me the Ant-Man movie of my dreams? With um, alcoholism and wife-beating and I'll, I'll, tiny I'll... vagina... this podcast is really derailed yes i will someday make you the bootleg unofficial won't ever be released outside my living room version of ant-man ant-man and the wasp xxx (laughs) carry
So that sounds like home porn. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> got way off track there. But yeah, this is a very delightful movie that I would actually sit put above Infinity War. I, I, oh, definitely. I, honest, I honestly would War agree. Was, Infinity War was not good, so it wasn't well, hard to be. Well, not. I would say that a little above Infinity War, not quite up to Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. No. You, you're kind of unsure, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, that means I'm, about right. I mean, I'm not sure that things. this is better than Infinity War. Uh, I just well, they're very different in what they're doing, obviously. But well, well, in a way, I mean, Infinity War is, is still this film is is an unqualified success. Yeah, uh, you can you you kind of have to qualify Infinity War to say whether it was successful or not. I mean, uh, but. We're not going to talk too much more about it. Yeah, you can go listen to our Infinity War episode to hear all about that. I enjoy listening to your laughter in the movie theater. Thank you. Yes, that's something like, this is a small thing, but when we go to the movies with Matt, it's always kind of delightful how, you know, you have, you know, we're usually in a big audience and people are laughing, but Matt's laugh will especially stand out among everybody. It's almost like... Matt's laugh is haunting I, 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 the memories I, I, of filmgoers who we've seen I would almost throughout equate the it, years. I would almost equate a little bit like when you hear Gilbert Gottfried's laugh, when his laugh is like so booming and so like out of nowhere, but it's also just like all of your own. Well, now I'm terrified of myself. Thank you. <laughs> As well you should. No, both okay. Um, let's no. wrap up the non-spoilery section of Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then let's move on to spoilers. Yeah, so generally, as we all said, like it, go see it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's funny. There's only... There are a few parts of it, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the spoilers, that kind of bored me a little bit, but on the whole... I like this movie a lot. Oh, I also, gave the computer oh, screen a thumbs up like you guys oh. could see it. Oh, and also, <laughs> also uh, one last thing uh, before spoilers. Really good special effects across the board. Okay. I know it sounds like a typical thing, but there are a lot of really impressive visual effects. In particular, the quantum realm itself. Oh, the quantum realm looks great. And as Andrew and I think Matt already mentioned, all the growing and shrinking is really cool. And you never get sick of it. Like, the wonder of the growing and shrinking never wears off. Yeah. The wonders never cease. Anybody, any other comments? No, just go see it. It's fun. Yeah, it's funny. It's full of action. It's got a good story. It's a really, really big movie. <laughs> That's a rocker reference. Um, <laughs> I got it. Really, really big, man. All right, so if you don't want to get spoiled, uh, pause here. Ah. <sighs> All I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman, a giant woman. All I want to be is someone who gets to see a giant woman. All I want to do is help you turn into a giant woman, a giant woman. All I want to be is someone who gets to see a giant woman. Oh, I know it'll be great and I just can't wait to see the person you are together if you give it a chance you could do a huge dance because you are a giant woman you might even like being together and if you don't it won't be forever but if it were me i'd really want to be a giant woman a giant woman all i want to do is see you turn into a giant woman okay sorry now um matt i have a question is how much is Ghost in this, like in the comics? Oh, she's quite different. You see, the thing is, in the comics, Ghost is an Iron Man villain for one thing. Oh. Two, oh, so they retconned that. Yes. Two, <laughs> Ghost is a guy. Three, <laughs> Ghost is empowered by the suit, not by their own crazy alien physiology experiments. Uh. Um, and let's see, four, her dad is not Egghead. And let's no, see. Uh, so in five, let's I'm see, sorry. six maybe. Like she, so she doesn't have like a debilitating condition that she needs like any experiments yeah. for. She's and like just she's, a jerk. she's anti-capitalist, and she's like a, a genius. Um, a so she's trying to take down the man too. Yeah, she's trying to take down the man, and well, I mean, he's trying to take down. Oh, the he's man. Tr well, that guess that makes sense yeah. in an Iron Man universe. And then also, um, he, but he, he's also a genius tech person slash saboteur, mm. and. Um, he has terrible hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, okay. Um, that was the thing that got him in trouble. Yeah. That they yeah. found him by his stink lines. Yeah. He's like, you stink, ghost. And they're like, exactly. Um, so... You know what it is, though, with ghosts in this? She felt a bit like an X-Men character. She's that... Kitty Pride, but evil. Yeah, More a little less. bit. Yeah, she's like, she's like a. And eventually, her powers will kill her. I don't know about evil. She's just kind of very self-involved. She like, was quite willing to use Scott Lang's daughter as leverage before Lawrence Fishburne talked her out of it. And yeah, that's true. That was a that was a moment in the movie where it, I mean, like, it, uh, it, granted, it, she has a condition that causes her excruciating pain, and she's going to die in mere days. However. She clearly is not taking the high road. No, she's not. And actually, my favorite thing about this villain was... Just because she's desperate doesn't make her good. My favorite <laughs> thing about this villain was how much she didn't want to die, because I'm sure I've said this on other podcasts, I don't like how annoyingly selfless and cavalier characters are in superhero movies about their own deaths. Like, I hate how everyone's always first in line to say, like, oh, I'd be willing to die for this, that, and the other cause. So, I thought it was refreshing you had someone who was actually like, no, I want to live, yeah. and I will go very far to preserve my own life well, at any cost. Yeah, but it was also a little bit of the typical dead parents, you know, sometimes dead people with dead parents become, you know, dark, twisted hero, other times... You well, you're never going to get out of the dead parents, the horriest cliche in all of superhero it, on, on the other hand, it kind of necessitates the the secondary villain. What's his name again, Matt? Oh, frack. What the hell is that guy? I have my phone. Oh, Sonny Birch. Yeah. Boz I forgot his name. What? Mr. Fancy Pants actor that you love so much. The Dirty Lowdown. Leghorn. Right. It kind of... I mean, if we were just up against Ghost, it wouldn't work. Well, because my... we would have to make her super evil, which doesn't work because she she has this more or less sympathetic motivation. She wants to live. She'll do anything to do to, to, to heal herself. And she'll do lots of selfish things, but that doesn't make her a great villain. It makes her an interesting character, but she's not the one we want the heroes up against. That She yeah. can't hold the load of, would... of all that... Of all that conflict, you know what it is. She's you have not... to have. I'm sorry. You have to have Birch in there and his associates to provide more resistance. It's not just Scott Lang and his friends against Ghost. It's Scott Lang and his friends against Ghost, the FBI, these gangsters, and whatever else was in there. Yeah, and funny enough, like the FBI are the most ineffectual ones, like going after them. Well, yeah, but there's still the threat of. But, but the FBI no, no, doesn't no, have they, to do they anything. They just have to They're find out Scott Lang isn't 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 his. It, it, well, that or Scott the, Lang yeah. isn't in his apartment, or to find and then Hank the whole Pym thing too. falls apart. Or to find Hank Pym as well. I forgot what was Birch's whole. Why, why did he want the lab? He wanted to sell it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's about capitalism. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think with him, he's, like, he, where, it's funny because his writing is a little bit more just, like, standard stuff, and Walton Goggins kind of elevates him. Walton Goggins, not Boss Gags. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Walton How Goggins. How did you confuse those two? They're, they're Boss both despicable. Well, how old are you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> old enough to know better. The dirty like lowdown of Walton I like Walton Goggins because his name sounds made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, my Who are you really, Walton Goggins? Take off that mask. So yeah, my favorite thing about Ghost was her motivations. Yeah. My least favorite thing was the kind of exposition babble about how she has to harvest Michelle Pfeiffer's essence to save herself, which was something that just made my eyes glaze uh, over like immediately. I know that it's, it's a bit it doesn't make a lot of sense. It it's the kind of thing that I, I know they had to do it in order to it progress works the story. if you don't think about it. 
it yeah it, it, yeah that that's the thing is that that's the only way that she can save herself is to harvest uh janet van dyne who has been in the quantum realm for 30 years because why like why can't she just go herself into the quantum realm and power up because this is the only specific thing they need to do to put her in direct conflict with wasp and yeah. like her dad is to make that like oh I want this thing, but I want to kill this thing that you want to get out. Yeah. It's like it's, they're directly they, opposed to each other. They make it seem like Ghost will kill Michelle Pfeiffer to save herself, but then they resolve this almost immediately because Michelle well, Pfeiffer just puts her healing hands on Ghost and boom, somebody, uh, Somebody, a critic I followed, I read like, it wasn't a spoiler review, it was really just like a couple of sentences. This guy made a good point that all this could have been avoided if the villains had just asked nicely for help. Yes. Well, that's the problem with villains. They're not the kind of people to say, please, will no, you but, help but, me? No, but, that, that, but that's different, though, than, like, for example, Killmonger. Yeah. You know, who really is out to, like, you know, take over the world. Well, right, like, he wasn't there to politely ask for anything. But yeah. that's but, kind of the but reason... That's why, but that's why I mean that she's not, like, that strong a villain. She's not terrible... But she's a little middling. But she but, also goes back to the fact that, like, um, her foster dad, Bill Foster, had a falling out with Hank Foster Kim. dad named Bill Foster? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't notice that? Anyhow. Oh, so, yes, my God. So I just did. Oh. <laughs> but, um, oh, Christ. But, yeah, so that goes back to just the how she was raised by him, who didn't, who had a problem with Hank, and then also she was, like, press gang by S.H.I.E.L.D. to be, like, an assassin spy person. So she's oh, not yeah, looking yeah, at it yeah, from, yeah. like, an equitable point. But yeah. I like the fact that this is, like... A superhero conflict movie where basically almost everybody gets what they want at the end and oh, yeah. they're happy I mean, and it's like yeah upbeat. yeah no no that, I mean, that, Jack, you're, you're, that critic is right yeah if they had asked nicely they would have gotten it that's why Ghost lives at the end yeah because yeah yeah she's, because she's not uh, because she's not this sort of she, you know she's a victim uh, of an accident that's part she yeah. wants to be better and yeah, she's willing to do bad things to do it, but it's just like, if you're a hero and you see past that and you're like, oh yeah, sure, I'll still help you out. You know, and, and that's why she lives at the end and she gets to go do whatever. Tonally, it does work. I, I yeah. will give it that. You know, it, it, that's why I mentioned the whole thing. It's like a family movie, as opposed to, say, Deadpool 2, which I guess you could say is about family, but it's not family. It's about family repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> so is Fast and the Furious. Um, that makes them both right. Um, but it, it, but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't give kids like a bad lesson. I know it sounds like a corny thing to say, but you know sometimes it's Deadpool good to have that. Deadpool two is full of bad lessons. For <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. But this movie teaches kids to disrespect the FBI and the cops. Well, oh no. Well, oh wow. How terrible. Oh wow, we're yeah. gonna disrespect the FBI. They're gonna rise up in the future generations and overthrow all law enforcement because young movies like this teaching whippersnappers to be impressionable <laughs> anarchists. And then what do we get? The future with Judge Dredd. <laughs> fair point, fair point. So everyone wins then. Uh huh. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. I like, uh, oh, I wanna also mention that uh, the stuff with the truth serum is very funny. Yes, yeah. the recurring joke with the truth serum was very good. And, of course, the one thing I was expecting, I still enjoyed it, but I was expecting they're going to bring back Michael Pena explaining things, and, and yet it still worked. Yeah. He was really good in this. Now, I told Jack this. I don't know if I've said it before in the podcast. I've seen Michael Pena do a few dramatic performances, and frankly, I've been very underwhelmed. Well, yeah. And I think he's actually a pretty crappy dramatic actor, but he's funny. Well, I mean, what kind of work has he got? Well, I saw him in the World Trade Center movie. He was bad in that. I saw him in this movie called Lions for Lambs. He was bad in that. There was one other movie that I saw where he turned in a dramatic performance where yeah. he was pretty crappy. Was well, he in Crash? No, 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 okay, no that's not him. So, uh, because Crash sucks. Well, he, he's an actor not who... Not the one James Spader. He, no, he's that a, one doesn't suck. He's a limited actor. But, but this movie works with his limitations like he's not somebody who he's would, not like a michael douglas or like a robert downey jr he doesn't have like all those super wells of emotion 
but he has a likable enough personality yeah. if you direct him a certain I've way. I've been pretty well, down the thing on him is, like, in the past, but he's good in this. Everybody's good if you use them the right way. Michael Pena is best when he is just all over the place energetic. That's that's what I mean when he is able to channel that And that's that not going to happen in a drama. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, he's not the versatile actor. He can't really do drama. But, I mean, you know, Michael Pena gets to talk all over this film. I'm glad he's found a use for his talents. It's kind of like Channing Tatum, where I think a few years into his career, Channing Tatum understood his limitations as an actor and then kind of strategically pivoted himself to movies where he can be fine and, you know, charming. Well, I, mean, I, I, and I, I feel like that's part of the business. You, you know your strengths and you play to your strengths. I mean, that's that. I think that's what every actor tries to do. You Some get, of them just can't do it very you well. You want to get typecast in the best way possible. Sure. Yeah. So, Michael Pena, nice work on pulling a Channing Tatum and not performing in movies that emphasize what a limited actor you are. He yeah. was excellent. In and there's movie. also there's also a nice point where they do a little unexpected setup and payoff to Michael me. Michael Pena was in the the My Little Pony movie. He was. I did not see that. Oh, yet. Cord, you know what he was in? What? A Wrinkle in Time. What? Oh God! <laughs> oh God! I just remembered his performance he in that. The Tesseract. He was so <laughs> nuts in that movie. <laughs> oh God! I'm just remembering him in that. Now, Andrew, in fairness, these dramas that Michael Pena was in that I said he was bad in, they were bad movies, too. Well, it's yeah. not like they were great yeah. movies and he alone was well, sticking the, I the that. Well, that's what I'm saying, too. It's like, you also have to give him good material. You need to give him material that was written by Edgar Wright, and he'll do something with that, but like yeah, in the first was, movie. He was very funny and charming. What? Forget it. All right. Oh, 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 you're doing an imitation of him. I yes, know, that's I my Michael know. Pena. All right, not bad. Um, I'll kill you. Because we talked, we talked a lot about a lot of stuff in the main movie. Now there are two post-credit scenes, one of which is unnecessary. One of them, well, one, well, the very one last which moment, was gratuitous. One of the very last second of this movie, I actually kind of, boo I actually booed in the theater. I know that's you kind booed of terrible. Words. Did I boo words? Yes, yes you, you did. Booed you booed a question mark. I was saying boo words. <laughs> um, well, no, yeah, because at the very end of the movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp will return. Or will uh, they? And I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> they're definitely going to return. Yeah, oh, fuck you, Mark. Well, that's why, better, because that's aside why, from well, the Wasp, who do we have that's a really successful female superhero? Well, we're we gonna Black get, Widow. Well, we're gonna get one with Scarlet Marvel. Uh, oh, we're gonna get one. With, we're gonna get one with Marvel yeah. Girl. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Marvel. Sorry, Marvel girl. girl is Jean Grey. Or her uh, ultimate idiot. daughter, Rachel. Uh, and watch as Twitter goes after me now. Um, yeah, no. Captain Marvel is next. Uh, by the way, is the next Marvel movie in March. So we've, we're finally gonna get a little break of Marvel movies because we've had like three in like. You know, like as many months it feels like. Um, all right, but that but that main cr post credit scene. So I ha like, if you've seen the movie, by the way, obviously you know. Like, so Scott so Scott Lang goes into the quantum realm, I guess, to do some type of experiment. They're getting magic healing particles. Yeah, which again, they never mind the whole thing goes. Um, so and obviously, and then obviously, as it happens in movies, they're counting d the H Hank and Janet are counting down, and all of a sudden. Kah! They are dead. Well, um, they turn to ash, like half the people in but, Infinity War. But I just, yeah, it's like it's the thing about that is I was I was expecting that going into this movie, and I was hoping they weren't going to do it, but I knew they kind of had to, and I just. Uh... If they had to do it, I was glad it was in the post-credit sequence, so it didn't ruin the vibe. That, of the actual well, that was movie. the appropriate place to put it. It was. It was. I know. I. I well, the, I, the, the post-credit scene is always for tying films to each other. I mean, at the end of Iron Man two, you have that scene of Thor's hammer. At the at the end of Iron Man one, you have Nick Fury walk in and talk about the Avengers. You have Thanos jump in at the end of of, of Infinity uh, of of the first Avengers. It's yeah. always every every post-credit scene is supposed to connect to something that's coming later, or in some cases came before. That's true. That's the whole point. No, I, I, yeah, no, I, I was expecting that. Well, because it just, I knew as soon as I saw Infinity War, and I was like, 
Ant-Man the Wasp is coming out next, this light summer romp. And then they, they dealt with it fairly well. I actually kind of like the second post-credit scene more because that's the kind of post-credit scene I like where you're not having to deal with plot. The you one just that have doesn't the one that doesn't mean anything? Yeah. I, I liked like, that one better too. Yeah, because it, I always have to expect, all right, I have to sit around here. It's almost a little bit like a chore. I know, Matt, that's not the case for you. because You, you have to the mock the credits like everybody else does. I mock the credits a little bit, but... I would have liked it better if the commercials hadn't spoiled it for me. That's fair. The commercial? I, I did, what was in the commercial? They showed the, they showed the ant playing drums. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, I, I did see that in the trailer. and actually, It's better than the post-credit scene of Iron Man 3. Which was what? Oh, that was which well, is which is a scene between which is Robert Downey Jr. talking to Mark Ruffalo. Oh yeah, it's like a fake therapy session. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Right. Yeah, See? I, I just like seeing an ant playing <laughs> drums. You can remember yeah, an ant playing good drums. Scene that was kind of spoiled by the trailers. But it was a good scene, yes, yeah, spoiled by the trailers. And then they had to put that well, Ant Man and the Lost Bull return. And uh, you that's can't why... spoil something that doesn't matter. You could, because it would be a delightful surprise to say, oh, the ant survived, and he's still playing the drums. Well, the ant's not a person. It's not like a sentient being that would but, disappear but they said when all snaps his finger. But but all life, like half of all life is destroyed. So it's not just men. It's all it, not just humans. It's also so wait, animals. So are we talking about, like, bacteria, too? Yeah. Or, and Carbidides. viruses? Yeah. Really? Sure. Really? I thought it was just half of all people. Well, see, this is I why thought it was like a half of all sent sentient things. Well, I don't think it was really explained very well in Infinity War, which is why we're having this conversation well, now. I mean, not that it really matters. Yeah. It's um, going to get reversed. Because here's the only character we've cared about who wasn't a sentient being who could have been eliminated by Thanos. The giant ant. <laughs> and although it does leave open a, a, a possibility of, okay, so... Another thing. Oh. Excellent use of giant ants in this film. Yes. Oh, which and also they they give tribute to that with a clip from them. The best giant ant film ever. Which, uh, well, I don't which know. I, I made you watch. Yes, you can go back to totally our worth it. Wasn't we it? can go back to our episode from years ago where we talk about them. I mean, I enjoyed them for what it was. I think I enjoyed this more as a giant. You enjoyed ant movie. them for what they were. I'm not Donald Trump's Twitter. I'm trying to be grammatically correct. Um, them is a very good movie, people. You should check it out. Or as it, as the exclamation point calls it, them. You should <laughs> put links in the doobly doo when you post this. I, I will. Oh, Th good. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, the giant ants were used very well. Um, there are a couple of gags with the tiny uh, ant flying ants that are very funny. Like, You'd almost think that Hank Pym is a mad scientist for all the crazy <laughs> stuff he does. He's like the most genial... I'm going to build a quantum tunnel kind of into the microscopic realm. And I'm he going is. to build the machine using ants. Yes, this is why I actually like this movie. Another thing is that usually in films that are, are the superhero sci-fi variety, it's the bad guy building a doomsday machine the bad the guy heroes is have the, to stop yeah. them. But here, it's the heroes building a crazy machine and we I mean, want for good reasons yeah. but i mean they're very creative about it yeah, I mean, that was the thing that i would wished about that happened in ant-man you've got what's his name who's the villain who plays the villain? Corey stole Corey stole he plays uh he plays like yellow jacket yeah. and he's doing all these crazy science things but they didn't ramp it up enough they didn't make him crazy enough like he's shrinking sheep by the end, by like the middle of that film he should have like a tiny farm of lots of tiny <laughs> animals like set up on his desk and he just like like herds them into a into a pen and just like shuts the tiny gate. And that, oh god! Because that was his thing I'm in just, that film. He had uh, been exposed to so much shrinking stuff that he went uh, kind of crazy. You're you're randomly. This is a little off topic. You're reminding me of like a Looney Tunes cartoon that I saw what, uh, years back, where I don't know if you remember this, Matt. There's like a tiny elephant. That keeps showing up in people's lives, and people think they're going insane when they see this tiny elephant going around. Like that the sounds city. familiar. I don't remember. It's it's really funny, and I don't know why, but that just made me think. It's of like it. drunk. It's like man drinking on the gutter sees a tiny elephant throws away his bottle of booze. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Or or like a man is in a therapy session, and the therapist sees the tiny elephant, and then he immediately switches places with the, uh, the, the, the patient. That's what Ant-Man needed. He, Corey Stoll needed to be I crazy. I thought there was enough that. stuff. He needed to be, like, calm. Possible. He needed to play it calm. But around the edges, there had to be that crazy, like, 
tiny farm, tiny animals. He needed yeah. to be the craziest he could Is be Hank, without, like, chewing the scenery. Hank Pym, in another context, could be the villain of a movie. Which is why he became Yellow Jacket in the comics. Oh, oh okay, well, I, I haven't read that. Well, I haven't either, but I know things. Okay. Read a book, Jack. A comic book. Um, Tiny know. animals were the way to go. Anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's... Uh, Crossover between Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Downsizing? Well, downsizing. <laughs> if imagine the oh universe where those two things happen. Well, downsizing just went in a weird direction halfway through the and movie. And downsizing totally didn't utilize the fact that people were shrunken in the movie. Ant Man and the Wasp is the superior shrinking person film. Yes. Yes. It, 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 we're it, calling it now. <laughs> yeah. See if Hank Pym really wanted to. Well, I guess he's very protective and very. He has, like, a big ego about him, but, you know, if he really wanted to, he could just use his tech to just m make, like, a business for, like, hit, hit, you know, for his kids to live off of for generations, where, hey, if you want to become tiny, come to me. Yes. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. Any, any other thoughts about the movie? Like, I don't know if we've kind of exhausted you our really conversation. We, yeah, we did really like it. Uh, uh... No. I am I out of thoughts. I said almost everything I had to say. Yeah, and again, the, the, the spoilers that we talked about, it's, uh, um, you know, it, it's not, I don't know if it's a spoiler-heavy movie, like, you know, obviously Infinity War was. Well, um, there, are, there are no giant shocking revelations in this, but, no. you know, in terms of, hey, what should you expect? We're not going to tell you the whole plot. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, for example, if you're wondering, do they get Janet Van Dyne out? Yeah, they do. You kind of expect that because eventually is she played by an actress who may or may oh, or who may or may not have been in their prime several years before this, probably. Uh, hey, well, don't you remember? Hey, Michelle Pfeiffer was in Mother. Oh yeah, there we go. That's a, <laughs> a very different mother than the one she plays in this. Hey, movie. all right, I got a question now. Okay, I thought of something about the film that made me pause. Yes, uh, Hank Pym goes into the quantum realm. Yeah, uh, he, he's in there. He's walking around in his spacesuit. Apparently, though, you don't need the spacesuit because you can just take off your helmet and you're okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, also, where did Janet get that extra cloth to put over her head uh, at, when she sees him? Yeah, she's, she, like, wearing, she she's wearing like, it desert out, gear. She fashioned it out of quantum stuff. It's not, she, she, she became the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the quantum realm. Yeah, she walks out like, she walks out like a Tusken Raider yeah. mixed with, with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How'd you change your costume? It's not like you have matter Matt, around you here. Really you really have something build things through. She got it. And was she using it to protect herself? Not the sun. <laughs> I mean, she's using it to protect herself from tiny... Dust? From she's dust using worms? herself from giant micro-algae or whatever it's in there. That's not living... But it's like she's on a Weren't quantum there, like, plane where, like, creatures? atoms have no meaning. Okay, okay, and, like, right. time and space have no thing. And now, apparently, the biggest concern for her is making sure that she's accessorized. Yeah. She got it from the Micronauts, who they can't directly reference because their copyright and trademarks are owned by Hasbro, but they used to be have Marvel Comics what? published. Yes. The Micronauts? The Micronauts. Matt, if you weren't as knowledgeable as I know you are, I'd say you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> they aren't mutually exclusive. So, so wait a minute, they gave her a shawl? Yeah, what sure, why not? Wait, wait, they so, didn't give her a ride back? No, they also live in the quantum realm, which is actually called the microverse in the comics, but might also be trademarked to Hasbro, which is why they call it the microverse. Why did Hasbro realm. get, like... I didn't no, know Hasbro they, has licensing for Marvel. No, they used to back in the 80s. But And do they still? Not really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, By now, I mean, we've had three decades. It might it might be tied up in in in, in weird disputes like and, like King Kong is. Well, yeah, because it's now. Well, if Disney can buy Fox, I feel like they could buy the Micronauts. Well, sure, but they... Disney's just going to buy everything, and then they'll own everything, and no one, will, and nothing will matter. <laughs> I, I hope not. But um, yeah, they're. We'll be living in a quantum realm of entertainment. Oh! You see, the Marvel can use the Micronauts that it made up for its own comics. It can't use any of the characters that were in the toy line specifically. Oh, God, that's confusing. Not necessarily. The, the are there actual... Are the Micronauts actual characters? Yes. Or are Micronauts? They're like they're, tiny, super 
people. Are they like Jawas? No, they have all different sorts of armors and stuff. They're like a superhero team that explores the microscopic realm. Was there a TV show called The Micronauts? There might have been. They fight Baron Karza. They had a crossover with the X-Men. Oh, that's why. Oh, because you said the name Micronauts, and I'm like, where did I hear that from? Yeah, they're now an IDW Corey, you're awfully quiet. (laughs) (laughs) What are your opinions on Micronauts? I have no opinions on Micronauts. Write an essay about it. The Hasbro (laughs) Cinematic Universe is going to be making a movie about them, I think. And uh, they're based on, I think, Takara toys, much like the Transformers, before getting ported over to America. You know what, though? Maybe it's best that Marvel... Tries to not do what Hasbro's done, where they make all these shitty movies based on their toys and board games. I think, as far as Hasbro and Marvel are concerned, they're both they're both going completely separate paths. They're both making a ton of money. Yeah. All right, make of that what you will. Okay, but the point is, My Little Pony what, movie the, was the, was kind of bland. Yeah, but, but the point I think you're making, Andrew, and what you're kind of saying, Matt, is... By the way, listen the, to our My Little Pony review. Yeah, it's really good. Um, why Michelle Pfeiffer has a shawl is explained for reasons that can't be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it all the more confusing if you're average Joe going to see the movie. I was just bringing up a funny observation. I had no idea this would get into a giant backstory. <laughs> I just wanted a no prize. <laughs> oh god my All father right. collected many a no prize in his day. oh yes oh yeah for like what um he was big about pointing out um north n- norse <laughs> mythology loopholes in thor yeah he actually wrote to marvel uh, in the 60s he won several no prizes cool cool all right for thor related nitpicks all right Let's wrap it up. Okay, Unless so anybody has any other nitpicks about clothes or about uh, realms. Oh, oh, here's we we gotta do a poll. Um, which, oh, okay, which we're doing code this. Which name do we think is better for Cassie Lang when she? All right, 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 right. Backstory: Cassie Lang, Scott's daughter. Apparently, in the comics, she is a superheroine. Now, when she this, grows up, yeah, yeah. Okay, so apparently, she can go. But she goes by one of two names. Which one of these two names, audience, I trust you, which of these two names is the superior superheroine name? Stinger? The Stinger? Yeah. The Stinger or Giant Girl? All right. Giant Girl is the obvious answer, but I want you to think about it for a while. Come back with the answer. Tell me that I'm right. The Stinger is the better one. So me and Matt both think the Stinger is better. Jack hasn't weighed in. I I would say the Stinger as well because ju- there are just too many superheroines that have girl at the end of their name. So if it was Giant Woman, it would be fine. It would be something different. Giant so, Girl is just too direct. It lacks imagination. It's his yeah. directness that makes the most sense. It, it feels like naming someone Captain Kill. <laughs> That's basically what Killmonger's Kill? name Probably. is. Yeah. Well, Kill, I don't know. Killmonger sounds a little better than Captain Killmonger Kill. has some poetry to it, but it's or not it's like, particularly or, or, subtle. Or, or Captain Boomerang, for example. But he is a captain with boomerangs. I mean, it, but, <laughs> I mean, but that's the point. It's a perfect description of who he is. Uh, that's what Giant Girl but is. You have, like, Stinger, the Stinger but, is just like, well, what the heck are I, you? you know, it, are you half insect, example, half girl? You have, in, people on you have Invisible Girl. You have Marvel Girl. You have uh, Supergirl. Well, other girls, you know, it's just, I want somebody who isn't called a, another girl, because woman sounds a little bit more mature, you know, especially if you've grown Matter up. Matter Eater Lab. <laughs> what? Matt knows what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, Matter Eater Lab. Uh, Best member of the Loesch. Oh, God, now we're... All right, all right. All right, but we'll pull uh, off this poll. We're cutting it off here. We'll pull off this poll. Go see it, man, the Wasp. If you have any other thoughts about this movie, if you've seen it and want to let us know your thoughts, please send it to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Uh, and by the way, we do get your your mail and comments. Uh, I just want to mention one that was brief that was mentioned by our list, listener, Gabe Rodriguez. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, he left a comment on our review for Solo, A Star Wars Story, where, obviously, because Corey can't help herself, she 
slighted Chewbacca once again, and Gabe left this comment. Uh, how can you? How can someone hate Chewbacca? That's like hating bread. <laughs> well, there are people who are gluten intolerant. Yeah, but they don't hate bread. They just can't eat Maybe it. Maybe they do hate bread. Bread is clearly superior to So, Chewbacca. is bread superior to Chewbacca? Of course it is. And giant girl is superior to bread. <laughs> <laughs> no. But Chewbacca might taste as good as bread. That's true. Chewbacca would taste good on some bread. If you were a giant woman, you could taste Chewbacca in one, like, bite size. <laughs> that is technically correct. You All have right. your book to write, Corey. This review has gone off the rails, but... Until next I time. I think we can say for sure that this was worth our time. Yes, All it right. was. So, on the Wages of Cinema, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. I'm Matt the Catania. Oh, and, and, oh, and by the way, Matt the Catania, uh, what, what's your site? WordPress.blog.com. Thank you. Just doobly do it at the bottom. They're not going to do it by audible. Okay. And Wait a minute. I didn't say goodbye. Sorry. And I'm Andrew. And uh, let me tell you about things. The Wages of Cinema is death. And hugs. Have a good day. Hold on. You gave her wings and blasters. So I take it you didn't have that tech available for me? No, I did.